Welcome to the A-Game Podcast with Nick LaMagna, digging into the minds and experiences of some of today's brightest entrepreneurs in real estate and business, along with Hollywood stars, UFC fighters, and your favorite rock bands. People that have figured out how to overcome obstacles, take chances, live boldly, and no matter what they do, they always bring their A-Game. My guest today on the A Game Podcast is Liz Germain. She is the founder of Influence, and she is an absolute YouTube powerhouse. She's got, I think it was over like a hundred million organic views, and she's helping business and influencers and creators get organic growth through YouTube to monetize in multiple ways. So we talk about all the different ways to potentially grow your channel, some of the pitfalls when you're doing that, what the things are that are really important and not important, which I think is a whole other thing of not necessarily knowing what to do, but what not to do is a huge thing. And uh, when somebody's had 10 years of experience of knowing how to speak the language of Google, how to hack the algorithms, how to figure out how to get the, the, the growth and the timelines and all those things on there, I just, it's one of those things that it's a full-time gig in itself. So having people like her that have gone through the trials and tribulations and have the, the tests and the testimonials from other companies, influencers, and businesses that they have helped become successful powerhouses on YouTube and monetize their business through the multiple ways we talk about, the four main ways that, um, that are discussed and that she talks about. A lot of other things um, behind the psychology of dealing with like the hate on YouTube and being an influencer, the psychology behind why you would want actually to use YouTube over maybe like a TikTok or a Facebook or a Twitter or whatever some of the different things are on there. So she brings a ton of information. I'll tell you, the answers she gives are incredible. She way over delivers for a free podcast here. So you're definitely getting your money's worth. I highly recommend you check her out. Check the show notes. If you have any desire, whether you're a podcast host, real estate investor, entrepreneur, business owner, your own martial arts school, jujitsu, skim, MMA gym, any of those different things. Um, she works with all shapes and sizes of entrepreneurs and businesses. And I highly suggest that you reach out to her on the show notes and tell her that the A-Game podcast sent you. So I'm not getting anything for that. I just truly believe in her product. And I think what she's doing is awesome. So I'll be using her to help grow mine. And she's got me sold on YouTube. And I'm sure you are going to hear some things you did not know or take into consideration and absolutely love this podcast. In addition to that, please, nicknicknick.com slash links is where all of our stuff is. So to have great people come on like Liz herself and give some amazing free information for everybody to take away, the toll for that is just to go on and please subscribe. Subscribe to the podcast. It's available everywhere, especially on YouTube. You can follow us and subscribe on YouTube, nicknicknick.com slash links. We'll get you linked up everywhere we are for the A-Game podcast, and it will also show you all of my social media. So can't ask you enough as well on that to please Definitely let us know that you are watching these, you're listening to these by just interacting with the social media. So you can find us on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Twitter, all those different things. So when I post the videos and the clips from this, this episode with Liz, please just like it, tag a friend in it, share it, hit, a, hit the like button, hit a thumbs up on there, put a little emoji on there. Let her know you're watching so we can keep getting these great guests on there. It doesn't take much. You're scrolling anyway, please. I ask you to hit the like button or just make a little quick comment or emoji on there while you're looking through that as well. I would love to do real estate with everybody. So if you're looking to get in the game in 2023 or start that process now, whether you're new, beginner, advanced, you'd like to find a way to sell properties to me and make some money. You would like to buy some properties from me and make some money, or you don't even know what you want to do or how we can even work together, but you're interested in finding some way to do real estate and maybe even partner together with me. All you have to do is text me directly, 516 516- 
540-5733 will get you a direct contact with me. That is the best way to talk to me about real estate and potentially doing real estate together. All the other social platforms you can hit me on, but sometimes they get lost in the shuffle. So definitely check that out. And while you're there, hit www.nicknicknick.com slash biggerpockets. If you would like a free checklist on how to bring more values to your buyers as a real estate agent, broker, or wholesaler, you will be able to find it there. Thank you so much, Liz Germain, for coming on. I really appreciate it. I've been asking her for a long time to come on, and she was freaking awesome to come on and actually give some of her time. And the value that she brought to this podcast was above and beyond. So you guys are going to love it. I like very much the answers that she gave and the content she gave. Follow all her stuff. Check out the show links. Start a YouTube channel. Let Liz help you. Listen to the A-Game podcast. Do some jiu-jitsu. Have a great day. Thank you very much. All right, my guest today on the A-Game podcast is an entrepreneur and YouTuber expert fighting out of Idaho by way of Michigan and California. She's a fitness expert and the founder of Vidfluence, which combines the art of video with the science of human influence, which we will dig much deeper into. She's been killing on YouTube for over 10 years and has an outstanding Facebook group called YouTube Marketing Mastery, which I love watching as she helps other people out ranking their pages and all kinds of stuff that we're going to talk about more and has her own success on YouTube as well, acquiring over a hundred million organic YouTube views, including 9 million on just one video alone. She's been lucky enough to bought behind the scenes of what they do and actually taught by YouTube themselves and has used that to help grow her business. And she now helps other clients over multiple industries, generate tens of thousands of leads and has her own page grown organically with multiple channels, over 100,000 subscribers, and again, has an outstanding Facebook group we're going to talk about where she can rate your pages and give a lot of really killer content. She specializes in organic growth strategies, and for new and experienced business owners, she helps create their pages, help them with the growth and monetization, and all those fun stuff. So welcome to the A-Game Podcast, my first actual YouTube expert I have had on over 200 episodes. I have actually literally been waiting because you were the only one I wanted to have on. So welcome, Liz Germain. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. Wow, what an intro. I appreciate that. You got quite the quite the story there. For for people who don't 100% know a little bit about your background and who you are, where you came from, can you give them a little bit of a 30,000 foot view? Yeah, so I was born and raised in Michigan and I moved to California, I think when I was 19. Um, I had some, you know, growing up, I did not know much about health and fitness. It really wasn't a huge part of the Midwest culture. <laughs> we were more of the, uh, let's eat potato chips and sit on the couch and watch <laughs> TV all the time because it's cold outside. Um, so anyway, I had a really, a big life transition. Um, I lost a close friend to suicide and that really changed my life quite a bit. And I decided, you know what, I'm going to do something different here with my life. I, I see now he was 18 when he died. Um, and I see now how, how short life can potentially be. And I'm really committed after that experience to making my life mean something to help other people, especially people that are struggling with their health, physical health, mental health, spiritual health, financial health, like all the aspects. And I'm like, but first I need to figure it out myself. So took my, my whole life cross country, moved to California uh, became a personal trainer and group fitness instructor. I worked for UCLA for a couple of years. Um, and during that time, this was actually when Instagram was just starting. So um, my sister and I, she kind of followed in my footsteps. We started learning, um, you know, all different ways to work out and eat better and things like that. And also the mindset elements of staying fit and healthy. And um, we started a little blog, put it up on the internet got all the social media platforms and just started creating content. We really didn't sell anything for at least the first six months. 
Um, and then we decided to launch a little workout challenge. We were hoping to get, you know, if we get 10 women in this challenge, it'll be worth it. And we ended up getting over 320 women from, I think there were six different countries uh, that these women were signing up from. And this was a paid program. So it was our first experience of making money online. <laughs> and over the years, uh, we did that for about four or five years. We sold digital products. We developed it into a membership community. Um, and then we did a lot of brand deals and sponsorships as our audiences were growing on all these different platforms. Um, and obviously one of the platforms that we were on is YouTube and YouTube was always my favorite one. Cause I'm like, mm -hmm. it's just cool. Like I spend a lot of my own free time watching YouTube content and you know, you can get anything, you can get any answer that you have for any question that you have. You can do home workouts. You can learn how to cook on YouTube. You can learn mm -hmm. how to change tires. You can learn how to do whatever you want to learn how to do. So I was just naturally obsessed with YouTube and, um, about four or five years in, my sister got married and decided she wanted to start a new business and channel with her now husband. They're still together. They have two kids now. Um, and that channel is, I think they're about to hit 200,000 subscribers, which is amazing. Um, on the back end, they do custom van conversions. So the second channel was in the van life space and um, their business just crossed the million dollar revenue mark last year. So very super cool stuff happening. But obviously in that transition, I'm like, well, what am I going to do? <laughs> Um, luckily I had all the digital product sales, so I had some time to figure it out. And, um, in the year that we parted ways, I went and traveled. Um, I took a whole year off, which is like mind blowing <laughs> for most people to hear. Like I'm only in my, you know, late twenties, taking a whole year off to go travel the world and not really worrying too much about money because YouTube changed both of our lives so much. Um, and then over time, you know, I got the question over and over again, how do you grow a YouTube channel? How do you make money with YouTube? And it was the same two questions all the time. What do you even do? How are you out there traveling? Like, do you even have a job? Like what's going on? Right. So, um, I just saw a market need for people that wanted to know how to do those things, grow a channel and make money from it. Um, but there wasn't really, you know, a whole lot of services necessarily available out there for them. Um, and so, yeah, I put together a little beta program to see, well, I mean, I did this for us. We did it for a second channel. Will this apply to even more channels? So we launched a beta program um, to teach people YouTube growth and it did really well. Uh, and I've just been doing that ever since. So <laughs> uh, we basically now, my company of influence helps experts and influencers grow profitable YouTube channels. Cause it's one thing to put out content, right? Uh, that doesn't make money, but it's a whole different ballgame when the content you're you're creating and publishing is bringing in significant amounts of revenue. So that is what I specialize in, and that is what I can help people with. That is incredible. I love all of that journey. And you know, I always I love talking to people because I, one of my favorite quotes is "How you do anything is how you do everything." And I don't feel like it's ever an accident that people like you find success. And one of the one of the people that I always kind of see across the board is uh, is athletes, athletes and fitness enthusiasts who do well in that space tend to do well in business. And I think it comes from the discipline and the habits of being able to hold yourself accountable, stay in shape, have willpower, because that translates very well into the consistency of business. And how much of the things you learned from holding yourself accountable and disciplined on the fitness side helped you translate those habits in on the business side to be consistent with your YouTube business? Yeah, that's a great question. No one's ever asked me that question before. This is, this is a good one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, 
growing up, part of the reason why I struggled with health and fitness so much is not only because I didn't know what to do. It's also because I didn't have the right mindset whenever I would try to approach it. So um, I was approaching it for all the wrong reasons, right? The aesthetic reasons or the not good enough, the lack of self-worth, like, oh, once I'm, you know, this, this size, then I'll be worthy. Um, And that's just not the way to approach it. Until I met a woman uh, named Shalene Johnson, who became one of my one of our first business mentors. And she was the first person I ever come across that made fitness fun. And she did that by being very positive about it and talking about the mindset elements that go into creating results in your life, whether it's in the gym or whether it's in business. And um, she always incorporated, you know, a lot of motivational messages and just like she would talk about what she was doing with self-development and things like that. And she was the first fitness person that I had ever come across that was approaching it in that way. Um, you know, I was before that and I was even watching people like Jillian Michaels who, you know, no shade. I love Jillian Michaels too, but she takes a much more like drill sergeant disciplinary approach. And you got to find your own balance in what approach works for you. But with the fitness stuff, the second that I made the mindset transition of not only taking discipline around, you know, my daily actions, doing things, even if I don't feel like doing them um, and doing them with a stronger why, instead of just, oh, coming from a place of lack, instead of that coming from a place of vision uh, really was super transformative. And one of my favorite quotes now is hold the vision, not the circumstance, because you'd be surprised by how much you can create from looking forward at what you're creating and then evaluating on a day-to-day basis are my actions right now aligning with the vision that I'm committed to creating. And uh, Shalene was one of the very first people that ever taught me that. And yeah, as far as <laughs> that discipline factor, crossing over. I think discipline is great, but we do all have a certain threshold for willpower, right? There's only so far that you can go and it's probably farther than you think with willpower. And so in order to keep it going for the long haul, I think the biggest shift for me was recognizing that the come from, like, why are you doing this? What's behind the reason why you want, want this outcome or result uh, was much more transformative than just discipline on its own. I love that. I think that that's a huge thing. And you touched on the mindset stuff, which it, it literally was like my next bullet to discuss. First off, I'm very sorry for the loss of your friend. I'm sure that was terrible. Um, sympathies go out to you for that. Something I've heard you talk about around that was about how you were going through your own kind of thing around those times. And it was a little bit of a catalyst for you to kind of get your mind right. I think it's a a very interesting time in the world for mindset, especially for somebody who wants to go in and be a YouTube influencer because there's like there's such bullies on these comments, you know, and and I I tend to like be sensitive like that, which is super weird because like if if it didn't have to be me talking, like I actually don't want to be the, like the face of it at all. And then you read stuff and you can have a hundred comments and then you have one person and it's like makes you feel bad sometimes and it, you can go negative on that. So being somebody that had come from maybe a place that you were struggling with maybe some depression or some like dark thoughts or things like that, like we all do at times going into being somebody who's like so big on YouTube. Was that something you had to get past or something you feared at first? Cause I'm sure a lot of people, when they're thinking about starting YouTube page, they worry about like, well, like, am I going to have to deal with like what people are going to say? Are they going to, you know, everybody's got a little bit of insecurity. So my question is, what were your thoughts going in as far as um, if that was going to be an issue? And then two, how do you deal with that now? 
great question as well. I was actually just telling the story to somebody a couple of days ago. I'm so glad it's coming up again. Clearly the universe wants the story out there. Um, <laughs> in the first year of our fitness blog, fitness business, you know, fitness YouTube channel, we were working, my sister and I, we were working with a copywriter at the time and he was helping us figure out, you know, the launch of the program that we were about to put out. And I remember we had a meeting, this was in Los Angeles and we, we went and got lunch or something. And he asked us, you know, why do you want to launch this program? Like, it seems like such a basic question, right? But we're like, oh, well, because we think that we can help people the way that we wish someone would have helped us. We also would love to be able to make more revenue so that, you know, we can leave some of these other jobs that we have and do this full time. You know, we had like a variety of different motivations for it. But he was like, no, you're not listening to my question. Why, why, why do you want to do this? Like, what's the real reason? Um, and let's pretend we're at your funeral and you're telling me like, you're looking back and you're telling me this was really the reason we did it. And um, that's where, you know, I tapped into the big major life transition points in in my past. I really looked at those turning point realization moments. And for me, one of those big ones was losing uh, my friend in my first year of college and, you know, being at, the, at his funeral and hearing his family talk about him. Um, it was just devastating. It was heartbreaking. And I just right then and there made the decision in that moment, like, I'm never going to do that to the people that love me. And I, so therefore I get to find another way to figure this stuff out where I don't struggle with depression, where I don't struggle with, you know, body image, self-worth, all the things that come along with being a human. <laughs> and um, I really became super hyper-determined. He's like, okay, well then you need to incorporate that somehow into the story. And I was like, what do you mean incorporate that into the story? Because before this, it was like so vulnerable to share that. Like that is such a private experience that I did not want to put out on the internet to, you know, I think we had 50,000 Instagram followers at the time. Um, and I was like, well, that feels a little bit of a stretch for me. And he's like, well, that's what's real. So the more real you can be, the better. Um, and he did the same thing, same process with my sister. Um, she had her own prior history of like eat, disordered eating and things like that. And uh, so, and she, she, that led her into excessive over-exercising where, to the point where she had a uh, overuse injury in her hip and she had to get hip surgery at age 24, which is like unheard of. Like what 24 year old out there should be having hip surgery? Like you usually think about people 80 and up getting that type of surgery. Um, so we started sharing more of the realities behind it. And in doing so, it helped us to differentiate from all the other fitness influencers out there, I guess, because we were just normal people. You know, we were normal, two normal Midwestern girls, uh, just on a mission to make the world a better place and help people be happier. That's truly what it is. And, you know, in the fitness industry, especially people are always chasing a look or chasing, you know, these aesthetic motivators and people would come to us all the time with that. This is something the copywriter really helped us to see is like, yes, you need to meet them where they're at, but then we also need to have a transition point to be able to give them what they actually need. And it always came back to mindset. So going through that process of being very vulnerable with something and not wanting to put it out there at all, but having the support and the people, the real people in my life that I really care about. And they're like, we're like, we teamed up, we had each other. And he asked us, if you put this out there, even though it's super hard for you, if it helps just one other person, will that discomfort, will it have been worth it to you? And the answer was obviously yes. Um, so recognizing that, like, even if just one person sees this and it helps them, is it worth it to face the insecurity, the fear of judgment, the fear of bullies in the comments sections, like all of that, 
is it worth it to you? And if not, then maybe that's not the thing that you're meant to do. Um, because in my experience, if you're meant to do something, it's an obvious yes. And it's a very quick yes. Like, okay, even if only just one person sees this and has benefited from it, it will be worth it to me to go through this uncomfortable feeling. So that was the initial kind of trigger moment to get us over to the other side and start being real and authentic and relatable and also having a really strong why to be able to help people. And then over the years, obviously, as each platform grew, especially on YouTube, uh, I still get comments on that first channel, multiple, probably like 100 comments a week. Um, Because that's the cool thing about YouTube, and we talk about that next, is once you put the videos up there, they just stay up there and they keep getting views. Um, I haven't posted on the channel in at least a year and still get comments, still get engagement, still get views, still get subscribers, still get money, all the things. Um, So on YouTube, though, we were getting that from probably like, I don't know, even 3000 subscribers and up, like people all over the world are are hurting. And one time we actually had a scary interaction with someone who took it like to the next level extreme to the point where we had to go down to the police station and try to see if we could find the guy and file a restraining order or something because he was starting to threaten our lives. He was saying he was going to find us and, you know, insulting our intelligence saying, oh, daddy paid for everything. Oh, you're only successful because you're pretty, like just some really horrible things. Um, and it got really out of control <laughs> to the point where I literally went down to the police station. I was like, Hey, can you guys do anything about this? Cause this guy's creeping us out. Um, <laughs> we don't know how far he's going to take it. Right. So like at the end of the day, even with that guy who clearly was like deeply struggling, recognizing that whatever people say online says way more about them than it does about you, especially if they don't even know you is key. And as your audience grows, it's par for the course, you know? So one of the things that we teach students and clients now is if that's something that they're vulnerable about, or they care a lot about of like what people are going to say, or this fear of judgment, uh, we actually encourage them to, we have kind of two sides of this. We have a love file and then we have embrace the hate. So the love file is like screenshot all of the positive comments because you get a hundred positive comments. The second you get one, if you're the person that starts to spiral out of control and hyper-focus in on that one comment, you just open up your love file and go read through all the positive ones Then go for a walk, go work out, do what you need to do to just like let that one kind of disappear into the breeze. And then on the other side of it, the embrace the hate is like, for a different type of person who is a little bit more like they typically like meme culture and jokes and, you know, making uh, light of, of challenging situations. So for those types of people, we'll typically recommend that they screenshot all the hate comments <laughs> and then have it printed out into a physical book so that anytime they doubt themselves, they just open that up and then they'll know like, oh yeah, I have haters. So it's working, right? <laughs> so at the end of the day, it's all about perception and how you choose to interpret it and the meaning that you attach to what is happening in conversations online, which, you know, I don't think anyone should be attaching their own identities to what's happening online, especially again, because most of the people that are leaving those comments are number one, hurting. Number two, they don't even know you. So how would they know? Right. Um, and the only way that if some, if they say something, if it triggers you, the only way that's capable of happening is if you actually see truth in what they're saying, or if you, you are creating meaning that's attached to uh, what they're reflecting back to you in a negative way. If that's true, maybe there is something there for you to look at. Um, but more often than not, it's typically just, uh, it's better to just water off your back, make a little embrace the hate book or create uh-huh. yourself a little love file with all the positivity. Um, Cause there's a lot of positive people out there too. I love that. It's a fantastic answer. Now pivoting to the crown jewel of you two. I think the first thing is, is it too late? 
is it too late to have we missed the boat on YouTube? If you don't have a successful channel, can you still be a successful YouTube vidfluencer? Of course. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> it's not too late. It will never be too late. There's only one you and you can do things differently and uniquely in a way that no one else can, right? So like, think about this way too. Let's say you're into politics. How many different political commentators do you follow? You don't just follow one and go to that one person for everything, do you? Most people don't. Maybe you do. <laughs> Maybe you're like a hyper fan, but most people don't. If they're interested in a topic, it doesn't have to be politics. It could be anything. If you're interested in topic, chances are you're following multiple people in that space. So the question of, is it too late is number one, ridiculous, because if you're worried about competition of like, it's too late, they're already established. It's going to be too competitive, whatever. Well, the reality is if someone, if your viewers have an interest in the topic that you can create content around, they're going to want to have multiple sources of information or entertainment or education, right? So that's number one. And number two, it's definitely not too late because as of the time of this recording, um, early next year, YouTube is starting to monetize shorts, uh, which they're the only platform currently that is offering a profit share with their creators. So, you know, we did see quite a, an exodus over to the TikTok world, right? This last couple of years with all, all the hype and everything, because it's super easy and quick to grow on TikTok. Um, but my prediction and mark my words is all the people that are, that flock to TikTok, the second they realize they're going to make 10 times more money doing the same exact thing, but just doing it on YouTube, it's game over for TikTok. Just putting Ooh, that out there right now. <laughs> I like that. Mark it. Well, we'll mark that down. I'll replay it right when that happens. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, cool. So, no, so, it's not too late. It's not too late so how, Speaking of TikTok and all these things, how does, how does YouTube stack up against the other social media platforms? Because part of what we started talking about earlier was... You know, I, I get these messages all the time on Instagram of like, oh, I love your, con you got to go to TikTok, got to go to Instagram, got to go like, and everybody's kind of got their thing. But I've listened to you plead the case for why YouTube is a little bit something of its own animal. And I, I, I'm sold on it. I love it. So I would love to hear for people who have not heard it yet, like what makes YouTube the go-to versus maybe going to some of the other platforms? The first time that I started realizing how different and how much more profitable YouTube is, is in the transition. So when my sister left our business um, to start something new with her husband, she uh, obviously was, you know, 50% of the leadership team, right? And 50% <laughs> of the content creation team as well. So um, I had to get really smart with my time and also looking at ROI and looking at the analytics and the reports and all of that for, for money. Like where my main question was, where are we making the most money with the least amount of effort? And I did a, an audit on all of the different marketing platforms that we were running. We had Facebook ads, Instagram ads, Instagram organic. We had um, YouTube, obviously, Pinterest, email marketing, all of it, right? And when I did that audit and I saw the numbers, I was like, okay, numbers don't lie. <laughs> like We were making by far above and beyond the most. We're getting not only getting the most traffic, but also making the most money from YouTube for sure. And then the second highest up with traffic was Pinterest. And that shocked me because I was like, Pinterest barely touch Pinterest, like threw a bunch of pins up there. Um, every time we'd make a blog post, you know, we'd pin it, but had no idea that Pinterest was driving so much traffic. And so I started to get really curious about why that is. And what I realized, and it was so obviously in, right in front of me, but I never thought about it this way. What I realized is YouTube and Pinterest are search engines. So if you have a business, um, you can create content that's basically a help library to answer the top problems, challenges, and questions that your ideal client has. And if you SEO them correctly, 
they, they'll be discoverable for years to come. Um, so that was the first big real aha light bulb moment of like, why am I doing anything else? Cause at the time I was posting on Instagram literally every day, multiple times a day. I was on my phone constantly. I didn't really love it. Uh, but you know, it's like what everybody told you, you gotta be on Instagram. Gotta, gotta do this, gotta do that. <laughs> so I'm like following this rat race of creating con content. And after five years of that, you know, not only did I start to run out of ideas for new and original content, um, there's only so many different ways, you know, you can create healthy protein brownies, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> not only did I run out of ideas and lost half of the content team with my sister leaving, I also didn't really love the amount of time that it required because Instagram, TikTok, even Facebook, they're all time bound platforms. So you have a timeline, you're competing with the, it's the endless scroll of doom is what I call it. <laughs> you're competing with all these other people. And there's really no way to pull up content organically after a certain period of time. YouTube works very differently than that because it's owned by Google. So YouTube is a search engine. It's the second largest search engine in the world. Google's obviously the first. If you understand how to optimize your videos for search, you can get quite a few leads and sales as well as traffic to your channels, to your email list, et cetera, through YouTube. So that was the first realization. And then the other thing over the last several years of really honing in my YouTube optimization skills is that YouTube is not just a search engine. It also is a recommendation platform. So the better you get at creating engaging content and matching the top performing styles of content within your industry the faster your channel will grow. So like YouTube search traffic, it's really maybe about seven or 8% of total available views on YouTube. The rest of it is coming from YouTube recommendations, right? So when you log in youtube.com, you go to your homepage, what is YouTube putting in front of you? YouTube is so good. It's scary good at predicting not only what you want to watch, but what you want to come back to watch tomorrow. So if you can crack both of those styles of gaining traffic, and this is what we help people do. Um, and trust me, it took me a long time to learn this stuff. So if you want a shortcut, just call me. But if you can crack both YouTube SEO, especially if you have a business or if you have offers, as well as the YouTube recommendation system for your specific audience, you'll never go hungry at another day in your life. And honestly, the time that you'll take to, yes, there's a higher barrier to entry to learn video, to learn story arcs, to learn how the algorithm works and all of that and how to match your content up to be most likely to be recommended in search or recommendation results. Of course, that's harder to do. But that's also good news for those who choose to take the leap because it's so easy to just pull out your phone and start, you know, doing a reel or a live or whatever. You can do it five minutes and, and you're done. But if you're the type of person where you don't want to create something that, you know, within 48 hours or even up to a week, it's basically irrelevant. You want your content to live on. That's where YouTube comes in because YouTube allows that for you. So it, your content doesn't disappear. It stays up there. And as long as it's getting engagement, you're not only getting AdSense revenue, you're getting potential leads and sales for your programs. You do affiliate marketing to make, to make money if you don't have your own programs, or even if you do. And then last but not least, once you start growing a sizable audience over there, especially if it's targeted, brands and sponsors will reach out to you like crazy. I mean, we still, again, I haven't posted in a year, um, at least a year on the channel, my first channel. Um, and still at least four or five brands reach out every single week. And this has been going on for the last seven, eight years now. So, and they're offering money <laughs> along with yeah. those deals, right? So it's like, I don't know, you do the math. All roads, in my opinion, always point back to YouTube. It just makes sense. But then again, I have a little bit biased, but the data doesn't <laughs> lie. That's awesome. So one of the things you said, I, I don't know if the term I heard was stacking or not, but 
it, it seems like a huge thing there is you have to hit your your stride very quickly and it's it burns out very fast and for your ability to go viral or really to get views and stuff like that on some of the social platforms whereas what you're saying is YouTube if you post something there even if it doesn't hit today it could hit tomorrow or six months and once it kind of catches it starts to grow grow more momentum so is there is that kind of, did I hear that right there's a little bit less of a timeline on there so you have more of a shot of going long term with the more stuff you put out yeah, so it's um I would describe it more as the the cell phone apps, you know, those are very low barrier to entry. It's very easy. Anyone can do it. So it's very competitive and you have to like kind of, you know, I'll never be the person that will get in front of a of a cell phone and start dancing and lip syncing. I just yeah. never do that. <laughs> if anyone asks me to do that, I'm just I'm out. Um so there's that element of it, but with this with these, you know, social media apps, it's like anyone can do it. So it's actually more competitive to do that versus YouTube. Just get really good at YouTube. And guess what? You'll also have a trickle down effect uh, when you have a YouTube first strategy because your videos will get better. You can repurpose those long form videos into shorts, into reels, into TikToks, into all kinds of other of content. You could strip the audio and use it for a podcast. You could strip the audio, turn it into a transcript for a blog post and email. I mean, it's literally like YouTube is doing all the hard things all at once and being able to multi-purpose or repurpose it on multi-platform uh, is it's super easy to do on YouTube. So even though there's a higher barrier to entry with YouTube, um, the payoff for creators is much more sustainable. It's evergreen and it's a long-term foundation for your business. So let's say you're in the boat where you have a business and you're just running ads. And that's the primary way that you get leads and sales is through ad campaigns. What happens when Facebook or even Google, what happens if they shut down your account and they say, Hey, you violated some mystery uh, term of service, <laughs> but we won't tell you what it is. And uh, we're going to ban you and you can appeal here, but we're not going to tell you what it is. Uh, but you can't run ads anymore. Like, what would you do? That's actually, that ha happens very frequently. Um, at least two or three times a year, someone in my network is like, oh no, my Facebook account got shut down. And that was 90% of our lead flow. It's like, okay. So not only that, it's an insurance policy because that organic evergreen foundation where you post the videos once and they have the potential to live on for years, especially with the right strategy. I, it, I mean, what's that worth to you? You know, like you have insurance for your, for your company, for your business. So if you have been kicking yourself that you didn't start investing in real estate sooner, whether you're beginner, intermediate or advanced, any way you're looking to get it on a residential, commercial, land development, wholesale, and fix and flips, whatever it is, let's find a way to get you involved in some projects, get you some properties, whether you want to sell some properties to me, whether you want to buy some properties from me, whether residential, fix and flip, cash flow, multifamily, whatever it is you're looking for, let's figure out a way to get you involved or find a way for us to partner up on some deals. Reach out to me on any of my social media channels. You will see all the different ways to connect with me and figure out how we can start to work together, make it happen. Everybody that invests in real estate always just says they wish they did it sooner. Best time to start is today. Um, I'm not sure if that answered your question. Yeah, no, that, that was perfect. That was perfect. And another thing you, you rolled through that I think was important to back up on, what, what are the four main ways you can monetize your YouTube channel? Yeah, so um, obviously using YouTube for lead generation. You know, if you have programs, products, and services, you can create, like I said, a help library of videos that essentially answers the top problems, challenges, questions, and objections that your ideal client has for that um, and build value there. You really kind of want to think about if you're using YouTube to sell uh, programs or to get leads, you want to think about your YouTube channel as almost like a nurture funnel. 
um, like you would do in an email campaign. So it builds meaningful relationships and people convert from YouTube. You can ask any of our clients, their YouTube audience, when they're on sales calls with them or they're having, you know, sales conversations, YouTube audience is the easiest to convert by far because they've already spent probably 10 to 20 hours of their time watching your videos, which feels like hanging out with you, right? They know, like, and trust you by the time they get on a sales call. Um, so the first one's lead gen, uh, but you want to be careful with that because YouTube doesn't love when you send people off platform. Um, we typically use 80, 20 rule here. So it's like 20% of your videos maximum can lead people. And it needs to be really relevant to the topic of the video can lead people into, uh, you know, filling out an application, booking a sales call, joining your email list, et cetera. Um, so that's number one. Number two is affiliate marketing, like I mentioned. So if you don't have, or even if you do have your own programs and services, um, you can also become strategic affiliates with other people. So uh, a really easy one to do is the Amazon affiliate program, especially if you do like gear reviews or you talk about products uh, in your space that are relevant to your viewers. Um, setting up an Amazon affiliate account can bring in a significant amount of revenue. So I'll give you an example with the Van Life channel that my sister runs, they do on average $40,000 a month just from their Amazon affiliate store because their their content is, you know, taking people in the van builds. They they have a local shop here where they'll, you know, flip uh, Sprinter vans and they rip out the inside. They build these really nice craftsman interiors and um, they create YouTube content along the way. So they have DIYs and, you know, van tours and things like that. And as they're going through, they're highlighting, you know, this is the stove we put in or here's the air conditioning unit that we put in. Uh, here's the roof rack that we have, et cetera, et cetera. So other people out there, especially in the US, who are either trying to build their own vans or they're working with another contractor or they were just researching, they have interest in those products. So it's a quick link in the description. Anytime a product that they've used gets featured, they always set up affiliate relationships on the back end and they average about $40,000 a month in revenue from that um, huh. alone. Like that's not even like they don't, they don't even need the person to be a customer. <laughs> like They could be a complete stranger and they're, they're making good money with that. So that's the second one. And then the third one uh, would be brand deals and sponsorships. So this is like, usually you need a little bit bigger of an audience. So this one takes time to build up towards. You need to have a very specific audience that brands also want to get in front of, and you need to have a positive relationship with them, which is typically displayed in engagement, you know, community, like comments, people interacting with you on multiple platforms. But with brand deals and sponsorships, I'll give you an example of that too. We did one uh, in my fitness business. Uh, we did a ton, actually. We did over $200,000 in revenue every year from just brand deals and sponsorships. Um, and that was just one of the income streams, right? But the uh, one of my favorite ones that I did was I made a video. It was a healthy ice cream that was made out of with dates instead of like sugar. Uh, it was a healthy ice cream video and was paid $8,000 for that deal for a 10, cool. 10 minutes of eating ice cream. <laughs> like what? crazy so crazy but like they had a product and we had the audience right so you get to be the bridge between the product and the audience um with brand deals and sponsorships too you want to make sure that you be careful with the types of deals that you'll take because once you start building influence on any platform you're going to start getting people reaching out to you saying hey we'll give you free product in exchange for a shout out or whatever uh and i would not recommend that you do that primarily because your time is valuable. Number one, <laughs> you have to charge these people. If they were to go out there and, you know, pay for a commercial or pay for a video shoot or something like that, they'd have to pay every person on set. Um, so what's, what's the difference if, you know, you're in a live studio production or you're working from home, 
you're still working, right? So know your worth and definitely charge them. Don't exchange for free product only unless you're brand new and you're trying to build a portfolio. That's the only time that you would ever do that. Um, but with brand deals and sponsorships, you can make a ridiculous amount of money, especially the bigger your audience grows and the more engaged and targeted that they are. Uh, so that's the third one. And then the fourth one is AdSense revenue. And this is the one that everybody thinks about when they think about making money on YouTube. Uh, you think about like the Mr. Beast of the world or the Jenna Marbles, these people that have like these ginormous channels, PewDiePie, you know, some of the <laughs> huge creators that you see all the time. They're making a lot of money, like millions and millions of dollars with AdSense revenue. So AdSense revenue is essentially once you're a YouTube partner, you have over a thousand subscribers and over 4,000 hours of watch time or over 10 million shorts views. I believe they just put that out the other day. They just changed the requirements to include shorts creators too, because um, they're doing rev share with them as well. Once you hit that partner threshold, you can apply to be a YouTube partner. And once you get approved for that, YouTube makes most of their money by running ads on the content that you're watching on YouTube. So obviously, you know, if you've used YouTube, you haven't been living under a rock for the last 10, 20 years. <laughs> like if you've ever used YouTube, you've seen the ads on there, right? So YouTube gets paid every time an advertiser wants to run an ad on a video, the advertiser will pay YouTube. And YouTube, once you're a partner, will actually split that revenue with you. If the ad is being displayed on your content, you have a right to collect um, some of the money from that. So uh, AdSense revenue is amazing, and it's the one that people most commonly think about. However, it, it should be more treated like the cherry on top and not necessarily the business strategy of the channel. Uh, if you can frame it so that you, you kind of leave that one as your last priority, um, well, maybe not last priority. It is important. <laughs> like, and it is nice to get a lot of AdSense revenue because it's just deposited into your account. Um, I still get paid off of the, the original channel, even though, again, I haven't posted in over a year. Um, still get monthly checks rolling into the accounts from YouTube. So that's kind of how AdSense revenue works. And it's great, but it does take a little bit of time to build. And, you know, there's diff different factors that go into it too. You're going to get higher CPMs um, and higher payment. Therefore, if you're targeting people in, let's say, New York or Los Angeles or Chicago, then you would if you're targeting people in Arkansas or middle America, right? <laughs> so, uh, you know, there's a variety of different factors that go into getting higher CPMs, higher RPMs, and overall more AdSense revenue. Um, but at the end of the day, everything comes back to not so much obsessing over the views, but obsessing over the viewers uh, and really doing everything that you can to create content that resonates with those viewers so that they come back and continue to watch more and more and more content because then it starts to just snowball out of control and all four of those revenue streams will be like you know what i'm gonna go take a year off and go travel yeah. <laughs> that's exactly what i did <laughs> that's awesome that's fantastic content right there i appreciate you sharing that you you touched on something that i'd never thought of but after every video i post i give my link to go to my website and now I'm thinking that I probably should pull that off because they're probably not pushing it because I'm trying to take them off the platform. Yeah, don't say it in the video. Don't put it in the video. You can have it in the description. You can. There's actually something in your YouTube settings. Um, if you go in YouTube Studio under settings, default uploads, you'll be able to put in a default upload description and you can put that in there. You can put your social handles in there, any lead pages that you have, whatever. Um, and you should put it in there just in case people do want to go deeper, but do not put it in the actual video. Um, you can on occasion, but YouTube doesn't like when you send people off platform, just like every other platform out there. Yeah. See, that's my takeaway just right there alone. Stuff yeah. I've, I've been doing wrong. I put all this time into it. So watch, an, you'll get like a 25% a 
growth boost just from just from stop sending people off YouTube. <laughs> nice, nice. I didn't even think about that, man. It's like one of those things that I should have known better. If you decide that you want to do YouTube and you're serious about it, you can make it work and you will get AdSense revenue as long as you don't quit, as long as you don't cool. give up. So this is a, um, some advice that I got from, it's actually in one of my my current mentor now, Daryl Eves, uh, genius, one of, smartest, one of the smartest guys I've ever met. Um, in his book, The YouTube Formula, he talks about in the first chapter, he's like, if you're not willing to make a hundred videos that get no views, then YouTube isn't for you. <laughs> um, if you're just doing it to try to get something from YouTube, from the people that are on YouTube, et cetera, you're coming at it from the wrong motivation. Um, versus if you go at YouTube with, I don't care, I'll do whatever it takes to make this successful. Mr. Beast talks about that a lot. He became obsessed with it. <laughs> it's like, even, I think he, it took him like, several years for him to get his first couple thousand subscribers. And now he's the biggest YouTuber in the world. So it's like, he made the decision before he had the results. And if you're able to come at it like that, and also instead of thinking, what can I get from people? What is YouTube going to give me? It's like, ask yourself, what can I provide for other people to make life more fun, easier, faster, better, more enjoyable, et cetera. Like if you focus on your viewers, instead of just the vanity metrics and all that, and focus on providing value for them and keeping it relevant to what they care about, you will succeed. So I think it's more of a decision, like, am I going to do this or not? Because they don't go in with the right mindset and they don't have the conviction. They haven't decided before they actually set out on the journey. Uh, so if you could just make the decision first and then do whatever it takes to get there, you will succeed. There's no doubt in my mind, especially if you work with uh, a specialist, because we can help you avoid a lot of the pitfalls. So how important, like I see when I use some tools and things like that, I'm trying to put like hashtags and then you see the keywords and the keyword phrases. How important are those in YouTube? Because I don't hear a lot of talk about that. Yeah, uh, tags don't really matter that much. Uh, hashtags certainly don't matter that much on YouTube. We typically recommend that on YouTube, you use hashtags more for internal like marketing campaigns. So like if you're rolling out, you know, a special spring launch or something like that, and you have a, a cute like campaign hashtag, uh, you can use that. It's they're used on YouTube more as categorizers. So it's almost like a, a different style of playlist. If you click on those hashtags, it pulls up all the videos that are tagged with that hashtag. So it works okay. differently than it would on Instagram, for example. Um, but as far as <clears throat> keywords and tags, tags on a video really don't matter that much. As long as you have, you know, five to 10 tags that are relevant and related, um, especially if you're going after an SEO keyword, like let's say, you know, you want to rank number one for how to tie your shoes. <laughs> uh, you need to make sure you have that exact match keyword plus a couple relevant variations of it. But beyond that, tags really don't matter all that much. Just throw in, you know, five to 10 relevant tags and in most cases you'll be good. But the one thing I will say about both of those as well, not hashtags, but tags and keywords um, is longer tail keywords are typically better if you are going to you know, hyper-focus in on SEO on YouTube. Um, long tail is a lot easier. So for example, fitness is not a long tail keyword. It's very difficult to rank for that because it is, there's a lot of fitness channels out there. Whereas, you know, tricep workout for women at home with dumbbells, that's a super long tail word. Right? So the more specific you get with the search queries, the less competitive typically that it will also get. So that's my one note on uh, video tags and keywords. That is excellent. A couple more quick things, then I want to jump into VidFluence and kind of what you guys do and how you help businesses grow their YouTube pages. Um, but I had two, two follow-up questions. One, I heard you, and I feel like I keep hearing this, and I, I don't pay enough attention to doing it, even though it keeps saying it. 
Can you talk a little bit about the importance of building up an email list and maybe some things about maybe tips about how, how often what's too much, what's not enough? Because exactly like you said, when people's channels get shut down or their Instagram or their YouTube or whatever it is, really making sure you monetize that list or at least track it or have a way to, to capture those emails is a huge thing that I think I, I personally definitely missed a mark on that I could use more help with. Yeah. Um, with, with anything, it doesn't matter what platform you're on, whether it's YouTube, Instagram, whatever. Um, I don't recommend bouncing people between platforms. If you're going to bounce them anywhere, bounce them to your email list for sure. Cause your email list is kind of like the ultimate insurance policy. Any of these platforms you don't own, you, you just don't own them. They can shut you down for any reason, especially now, you know, in the last couple of years, we've been seeing some really interesting shutdowns and censorship and <laughs> things of that nature. And you just don't have control because you're not the owner of those, those uh, businesses. So in order to protect your own business, it's best if you can take people off of any one platform and send them into an opt-in. An easy way to do that, obviously, you know, you need to understand who you're trying to attract first and foremost, what they struggle with, what result they want and what's preventing them from getting those results. And if you do that, you can craft up, you know, really nice lead magnets that give them incentive to actually want to go get the thing. So let's say, you know, you're a dating coach, um, but, and you want to get people off of YouTube or off of Instagram or whatever, what's the kind of lead magnet that you could put together? Well, let's think about what does your customer struggle with? Let's say you're trying to help women in their thirties who are still single and they want to attract the love of their life. They want to get married. They want to have a family. Um, but they're really struggling with how to, What's the first problem that they face? How to get dates with quality dudes, right? So it's like, <laughs> let's help them solve that one little mini problem. And that's what your lead magnet should be. It's basically splintering off. If you think about the customer journey as a whole and their transformation process with whatever they're struggling with to whatever desired result that they have, if you think about that whole entire process as like a, as a book, your lead magnet is taking out one chapter of the book, the first chapter. And we're just going to solve a little mini surface level problem, but a problem that's really painful for them. Um, and it's attached to these deeper level problems that they have. Um, if you do that, you're incentivizing someone to give their contact information in exchange. So it's not just like, hey, go do this. And you become like a spammy, you know, salesy, like, I don't want to join that person's email list. They're just going to blast me with sales discounts and stuff. Um, you actually become, you create more of a meaningful relationship when you help people solve the problems that are keeping them up at night, the problems that are hurting, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis that they can't stop thinking about that. They're like, if I just had this one thing, then I would be happy, you know, and it's like, meet them where they're at. And then on that journey, we're kind of taking that one chapter, that one sliver, let's get them a quick result um, or a meaningful result but it's like the first result, right? It's not the deep transformation that's available to them with some of the deeper level. Like in our fitness business, it was, you know, everybody <laughs> wanted to get the beach body. It was like, we're going back to the beach, summer's coming, you know, like clothes are coming off because they're getting smaller or whatever. Uh, and I ate too much at Christmas and Thanksgiving. <laughs> so it's like, they're, they're at that surface level. So it's like, yeah, let's do, you know, a little mini reset. Let's get you back on the ball. But that's like surface. It's not going to create a, you know, decades long transformation for them. So as they start to build that trust with you and you're getting them these mini results, it becomes a lot easier. But as far as email marketing, that is what I would typically do is like create a relevant lead magnet that addresses one of the surface problems. So if you're a dating coach, for example, and your target customer is struggling to find the man of her dreams, maybe you put together a, how, you know, how to write your Bumble profile to attract high quality men or something like that, right? Like, it's like, let's just take the one thing. We know they're already doing this thing. We're gonna solve that little mini problem, create the relationship, build some equity in that relationship. And then 
um, go from there to some of the deeper level things that, you know, people feel vulnerable sharing and talking about and, and really being honest, uh, just like anybody would, you know, so you, you basically create like a safe space for them to say yes to themselves, essentially. Um, so with email with, so that's kind of like the psychological aspects. And then you also have the logistic aspects. So, um, on the back end with emails, typically in that first email, you'd get, you know, they're getting the, the thing that they, that you promise them, they get that delivered, do a little bit of indoctrination, you know, here's what you can expect. Um, here's ways to go deeper, et cetera. And then within that first week, I've noticed we've tested so many different things. There's actually two things that work really well, or that I've found have worked really well is in right after opt-in on the thank you page after they opt-in having some sort of a deadline funnel. So it's an upsell offer, right? That they only see one time and they have 72 hours to claim it. Otherwise the deal goes away forever. So you're creating some urgency there for them to not just be a stranger and like get the free guide, but you can say on that thank you page video, like, thank you so much. Your download's on its way or whatever it is. Um, in that thank you page video, you essentially have a short, you know, three to five minute video of you saying, Hey, thanks so much for getting that thing. But let's be honest, that three page PDF is not going to be the thing that solves this issue for you forever. So because you're new here and because we just met, I just want to make sure that you are aware we have this available for you too. If you're ready to get started right now, normally it's this price for the next 72 hours. It's this price. Click the link down below to get started. You know, very basic, just like, Hey, thanks so much for getting the thing. But the PDF is not going to be transformative for you in the way that it could be. So if you want to go deeper, here you go. And then you put a, you can use technology to put deadline funnels on those things. So that after 72 hours, they truly never see that offer again. Huh. Uh, so that's the, the first thing. And then the second thing logistically with emails that I've seen work really, really well is sometime in the next, in the week after opt-in, having a very basic two-step email that goes out. It's literally like 10 words. <laughs> it's like, hi, first name. Um, you would basically say... <laughs> uh, ask them a basic question, you know, like, are you, for example, with us, the first, one of the first questions that goes out is who's your ideal client. And that's it. That's the whole email. Hi, first name. Who's your ideal client? Let me know. Thanks, Liz. <laughs> that's it. It's super short, super straight to the point. People love talking about themselves. So that's one thing that it does two things. Not only do we get a better idea of whether or not we can help that person, because now we know a little bit more about who they're trying to reach on YouTube and things like that. Um, it also increases our email deliverability rates across the board. When people respond back to your auto emails, your deliverability goes up, right? So obviously that's good for a variety of reasons. Um, and then the second thing that you would want to make sure is sometime within the next, you know, within the first seven to 10 days is a very direct two-step style post where you're essentially saying, Hey, we're looking for 10 people who want this result in this time frame. Is that you? If so, here's the qualifications. Um, just respond back and you tell them what to do next and we'll let you know if it's a fit, right? So like being just very direct, like, hey, do you, this is what we're looking for. Here's the qualifications. Is that you? If so, do this and we'll be in touch. That's it. Um, so those three specific logistic things with email marketing, um, especially right after opt-in when the, you know, they're in that buyer's window uh, have been wildly profitable for me over the last decade or so. So hopefully that helps. I mean, I, Hey, is, I'm giving away the cart with a horse. I was going to say, geez, that's amazing information. That really is like you, you definitely over deliver. And speaking of over delivering, there's just so much to know, so much to do, so much experience that you have of the things that have worked and not worked and spent so much time and energy and effort to figure out 
what the secret recipe and formulas are. And I'm always a big believer in hiring people to help me take those shortcuts. So I don't have to go down those roads myself, especially for people who worry like, well, is YouTube too competitive? It's like, well, if you're worried about being too competitive, hire somebody who knows how to beat the competition. So talk about some of the things you do for youtubegrowthhacks.com, for Vidfluence as a company. I know you have some other things you're looking to roll out towards the end of the year, uh, I guess early next year, right? Yeah. So um, if you go to youtubegrowthhacks.com, speaking of lead magnets and you want to see this all in action, everything we just <laughs> discussed, uh, that's set up for that. So it's like a little starter guide of some of the most common th mistakes that we see people make when they're setting up their channels. Um, so that'll get you started. And then on the back end, um, there's a link that you'll get to if you get that that will send you to the Facebook group and you're more than welcome to reach out anytime, anyone who's listening to this, um, if you need help growing your YouTube channel or learning how to make more money with a YouTube channel, those are the two primary specialties that we have. Um, as far as upcoming things for how to get better at that, we have in 2023, we will be launching Channel Amplifier. You can go check it out uh, at channelamplifier.com. And this is essentially a 90-day training system where you'll be learning along with other YouTube creators, how the YouTube al algorithm actually works. So people come to me all the time. They're like, oh, I need views and subscribers, right? Um, and they hyper-focus in on the subscribers. So what we're doing inside of there is really, that's what they think they need. But what people actually need, if you want to be successful on YouTube is ideation and analytics. So how do I come up with ideas for content that is going to land with my target audience? Number one. So we teach you how to do that by basically spying on the competition, by looking at top performing content on YouTube for that particular audience, uh, by looking at some of the keyword opportunities, et cetera, we'll teach you that entire process. And then on the other side of it, it's like, once you get some videos out, how do you read the analytics? Because if you can't interpret the performance data, how will you ever know how to adjust your content to make it better? Um, YouTube gives you all of the answers on the back end of your channel inside of your YouTube analytics. You can see so much in there from how do people find you? How long do they watch your videos? Did they go on to watch more videos? What types of people are watching these? Are we hitting with the right market? And all of that is broken down very, very in huge detail inside of YouTube analytics. But a lot of people get really overwhelmed with looking at the data. It's like, if you've never used analytics before, it's really sometimes complicated or confusing to interpret the data on your own. So the second half of it is really you know, learning how YouTube analytics, what it's showing you, like, what are you actually looking at and what does it mean for your content strategy and how you need to make adjustments moving forward. So um, that's what we'll be doing inside of channel amplifier. And like I said, that comes out early next year. So if you want to check that out or submit your application for that, check it out at channelamplifier.com. I think that that's awesome. And there's definitely a ton of value in what you're doing because it is like a foreign language just figuring out the stuff on your own they're trying to even understand what you're looking at when you're doing it like I, I feel like I'm pretty knowledgeable on some of those things and it's still to me I'm like man I don't, I don't get it at all so <laughs> I, I appreciate people like you they come in and do the translations there so for people listening doesn't really matter what business it is doesn't really matter if they're new and trying to grow or they're already grown and they're trying to maybe monetize you kind of step in and help with all levels all shapes and forms right Correct. Uh, there's really not a channel that I've come across. Actually, there's one channel that I've come across in the last three years that I could not help. And it was in the pickup artist space. And that was more of a, <laughs> a moral responsibility. I think I have to the world of, you know, one of my personal goals is to make the world a better place. And I don't know if we need more, you know, get more meaningless dates out there in the world. So that was it. And also side note, the content was not suitable for ads. So I already knew from day one, I was like, you're not going to make ad sense revenue with this because no advertiser is going to want to put their 
their brand in front of your content. So um, anyways, that's the only channel that I've come across that I have not so far been able to help. So yeah, any industry, um, if you have, especially if you have a big audience, you know, or you have dreams of having a big audience, uh, if you want to in- improve your speaking career, if you want your books to sell more, if you want, you know, more product sales, revenue growth, more impact in the world, changing people's lives uh, with your expertise, then YouTube is a great place for you to be. I love that. And for anybody listening, I will put all the links for everything connected to you in the show notes. So just definitely check them out. You'll have live links there. I really appreciate all the information that you put out even before you came on. Obviously, that's why I wanted to make sure I only had you on because I really appreciate the information that you put out there. You give so much time, so much information, even for free before to create value. So um, I I very much appreciate you. I'm definitely going to be taking you up on having you help build my channel. Last question before I let you go. I heard you went to UC Davis. I did. Did you know my buddy Jeremy Black or his buddy slash, I guess, kind of my buddy too now, Uriah Faber? Were you there at the same time? Uh, Jeremy Black sounds very, very familiar. I graduated in 2009, so I'm not sure, but he does sound familiar. We're at least connected, I think, on Facebook now. That would um, make sense, yeah. Yeah. If not, so, the algorithm is going to make you connect now. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> not like, go eggs, let's go. <laughs> Yeah, and then uh, the famous uh, UFC famous uh, legend, Uriah Faber, I know, is the wrestling coach and uh, a, a star athlete over there at UC Davis. So I don't know if maybe you crossed paths at one point. Yeah, I was only there for two years. I was a transfer student, so and I was very busy. I went from, uh, I, came, I came to UC Davis basically, you know, starting from behind as a transfer student. So I was only there for a couple of years, but it was a great couple of years. I love Davis. I love all the UCs. You know, they're doing a great job out there. And really that's where I got my initial chops of big question of my life has always <laughs> been, why do people do what they do? And so I got an anthropology degree and not realizing that like it would serve me very well to have that background moving into YouTube marketing. <laughs> I love that. So next time I talk to your eye, I'm going to mention you because I bet he's got a great audience that he could definitely maximize and use your help with. In his YouTube as well. And I'm sure he would love to give that business to a former UC Davis alumni. So thank you so much for coming on. I love everything you're doing. There were so many other things I wanted to talk to you about that were all just amazing. You blow me away with all the information that you give. And I really appreciate people like you out there that really bring their A-game to everything they do. And this interview has no different. You definitely brought your A-game to this interview. So thank you so much for coming on. Any final thoughts before we let you go, Liz Germain? Oh, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for your patience. I know I've been a pain in your butt for having you, uh, for harassing you to come on, but I very much appreciate it. I'm sure the audience does too. Thank you so much. Liz, your main ladies and gentlemen. Have a great day. You so much did me.